Okay. In 2013, the most recent year that we have statistics, the population of Santa Maria, California was 102,216. We are an estimated 71.7% Hispanic, 21% Caucasian, and 7.9% all others combined. It is interesting how detailed we get with statistics. Statistics continue. In Santa Maria, California, there are 132 registered sex offenders. In the year 2013, there were three murders, 32 rapes, 122 robberies, 331 assaults, and 647 burglaries. Happy news all. Our crime index in Santa Maria, California is at a number that's 305.8. Now that doesn't really mean a whole lot, except that the national average is 289.2. Clearly Santa Maria is a more dangerous place than average to live. All of which points to at least one thing. Santa Maria, California is in great need of Jesus. Lastly, again in 2013, we had an 8.5% unemployment rate, whereas the national unemployment rate, like today, strangely enough, was 5.1%. And the median house condo, the single dwelling house price in 2013, averaged 234000 up nearly $100,000 from 2000. Man, I'm full of good news today, aren't I? The truth is, actually, I hope you will find there is much good news tonight. Only that good news is not found in statistics concerning the town you live in. The good news is found in the Lord of the statistics of the town in which you live. The good news is that not where you live is paradise on earth. The good news is that you have paradise in your heart and you can share it with those with whom you live. These statistics, among many others that I didn't bring up, remind us that Santa Maria, California needs Jesus. Amen. Amen. And let me remind us, there are only two things that you can do on earth that you cannot do in heaven. The first is to sin. And the second is to share Jesus with those who do not know him. Which do you think we were left on earth to do? Obviously, we were left on earth to be the blessing that we were blessed to be. God has put you and me in Santa Maria, California for among other reasons than um, so that we may be a part of what blesses this community and help combat the bad statistics that make Santa Maria a more dangerous than average place to live. Being the blessing you were blessed to be 
is God's answer to the social problems the world faces. You must understand this. You and I must understand this. We are to be the answer to the problems the world faces. Being a Christian ought to mean, among other things, that you are a part of the solution to the problems we face. And I'll tell you what. You and I cannot be a part of the solution if all we're doing is sitting in the four walls of our home or the four walls of this church. Now all that's great, Pastor Greg, and thanks for giving us a wonderful guilt trip. That is not my intention, by the way. But I want to show you from Scripture over tonight and the next several weeks that God indeed does have a part for you to play in helping this world to be a better place. Look no farther than the story of the Good Samaritan. Look no further than the Great Commandment or the Great Commission. Look no further than what Jesus said in Matthew 25 when he said, whatever you did to the least of these, you did also unto me. If you are still wondering if we are to be a part of the solution of this country's ills, then look no farther than the gospel where Jesus made a difference among the people he lived around. Now, I also don't want to go off on the other end and say that, well, if, if you feed the homeless and you do these good works, that will earn you a place in heaven. Or, or if you do these good works, then automatically people will come to Christ. Obviously, that's not true either. But you and I as people who have been blessed beyond blessing, are given a unique opportunity to be a blessing to the people around us. And before we get to passages like these, we need to look at another passage. We need to look at a passage that speaks directly to the situation in which you and I live in. I want to head off an excuse that might occur to us as we heed the call that we heard last week to tear the tape off our mouth, to take away the reasons that cause us to be silent in the face of the world around us. This excuse might be worded something like, well, you know, I'm just passing through. I, I'm not really meant to be here on the earth. I am an exile in a foreign land. And some will take that as a reason not to really get engaged in the culture around them. But quite the contrary, I want to agree that we are exiles. And precisely because we are exiles in a quote-unquote foreign land, therefore... We have lots of grounds to be a part of the solution. And my chief evidence for that is found in Jeremiah 29. I'm going to read four verses for us. Jeremiah 
speaks for the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare, you will find your welfare. My friends, in the words of Winston Churchill, Never give up. Never, never, never give up. And in the words of Pastor Greg, if God can save my father's son, he can save anybody. My friends, I want to encourage you today, never, never, Never give up. No matter how old you are, no matter how feeble you are, no matter how disconnected you feel from the culture around you, no matter how far away you think you are from your neighbors in terms of what you think and what you do, my friends, you have more in common with your non-believing neighbors than you don't. Because you are still living in the same sin-sick world. Because you are still living with the same sin-sick flesh. And you can identify with them. And because of that, but more importantly, because God has given us so many blessings, therefore we can be the blessing we were blessed to be. Now, as we get to this passage, we find out that the Jewish nation had been captured by the Babylonian Empire. You remember when we were talking a few weeks ago in Habakkuk that the Babylonian Empire had come to Jerusalem twice already and they sacked the city, but they again, they rebelled. And so finally, King Nebuchadnezzar had enough and he decided just to wipe out the entire city and whoever wasn't, whoever die in the war, he brought back to Babylon so he can keep them under his thumb and keep watch on them. And so... God's people were pretty discouraged. I mean, wouldn't you be? Everything that you knew had been taken away from you. Many, many, many of your relatives and friends simply ceased breathing because they were butchered in the streets. And so God's people needed a word from the Lord that says, don't just roll over and die. Don't Give up. No matter where you are, don't give up the ghost and just say, okay, fine, I'm just going to roll over and die. That is not what they needed to do, and it is certainly not what we need to do. Do you ever feel like your land has been taken over? You ever feel like you're an exile in your own city? Yeah, we certainly do. And for many reasons. One of which is we feel like this isn't a safe place. But most importantly, we're exiles because God has sent us into this world as his ambassadors. 
intentionally ambassadors of a different government to this one so that we can be blessed and be the blessing we were blessed to be. My friends, you are in exile in Santa Maria, California. You are not home yet. You are just passing through. So therefore, you and I need to live our lives in such a way that we make the most of our time because the days around you are evil. Don't waste your exile among a people not belonging to God so that you can use what God has given you to win friends in heaven who will welcome you back in response into their homes. So our first point tonight is to make the most of your exile. I take that from Jeremiah 29.4. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. God has sent you into exile. That should comfort you. Wait, 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 wait. What? God sent me into exile and I should be comforted by that? Yes, you should be comforted by that. Why? Because God not only knew it was going to happen, we don't believe in a God who just kind of knows things. Oh, what are we going to do? I know that's going to happen, but I just can't stop it. No. God sent the Jews into exile. Furthermore, he sent you into exile, into this community, so that you and me can be his ambassadors. Therefore, be in exile and be the man or woman that God has made you to be around your neighbors. Now there are my two favorite passages in the New Testament about being in exile. I want to read them to you. The first is Hebrews eleven thirteen to 16. The author of Hebrews went from verse 4 all the way to verse 12 talking about these different men and women and how they sought God more than all the earthly riches they could have had. And so what he says is, these all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God for he has prepared for them a city the exiles who have gone before us could have returned they could have gone back to their homeland they could have blended in with the people around them they could have made rooting for a football team the most important thing about their life. They could have made getting a newer, better car the most important thing in their life. They could have done all kinds of things that the world around them would have seen and said, ah, he's just like us. And the world would have received 
him or them or you or me just like us. But they were living, as the author of Hebrews says, seeking a homeland. Jonathan Edwards made dozens of resolutions. And one of the resolutions that has always stuck out in my mind, I'm going to paraphrase it, but he said, I am going to live in such a way doing anything and everything possible so that I have as much happiness in the next life as possible. That is a man who understands that he is living as an exile. If you're living as, as an expatriate, if you're living in a foreign land that's at war with your land, you're not going to go around buying lots of fields and buying lots of houses and buying lots of stuff that really matter in that land because your heart needs to be in your homeland. If you're an ambassador to another country, you enjoy the country. You, you take what is good from it, but your heart needs to remain in your homeland. There's lots good in this world. But our hearts need to be set on a different land. And so Jesus gives us a parable in Luke chapter 16 about a man who understood that his money was soon to be worthless. His job was soon to be worthless. And so he used the access to the resources he had to make friends so that people would welcome him into their houses. And Jesus commended this man because this man had the foresight to win friends with that which will not last who will welcome him into eternal homes. That is the lesson that Jesus gave there. And that is exactly what we are to do today. Anyone who lives their lives so that people will welcome us into eternal homes will be the kind of person who values God and God will not cast aside. If you live your life for the glory of God, he will not be ashamed to call you one of his people. And you will have a home that will welcome others into. And, as I said a moment ago, you have the opportunity to return. You always have an opportunity on this life to make money your God again. To make whatever circumstances you're living in your God again. But we were reminded, and we are reminded daily that this life will not last. And the things that you save up, whose will they be? You just don't know. Peter also calls us exiles. And Peter explains how not to make your home on earth. He says, verse 2, Chapter 2, 12, 11 and 12, he says, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your souls. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. 
To live as an exile on this earth is to live in such a way that you wage war against the passions of your flesh. Now, I'm sure many are thinking this passions of the flesh, this Peter's talking about sex, drugs, and rock and roll. But it also means everything that was talked about at the missions conference. Living with fear, hiding your witness from others. Living with a desire to be popular as a something that hides your witness. A desire or a fear of not being loved by those around you. Peter, and therefore God, wants instead for you and me to live like in such a way that when people slander us for being Christians, there, there really isn't much to slander about. Except, of course, the fact that we're devoted to our God and devoted to the one who will protect us just as he did Daniel and his friends. But our passage tells us that God has sent us into exile. And he has sent you and me there as well. So that we will live in such a way that people see the one for whom we are living. And we will indeed be blessed so that we can be a blessing. How are we to do this? Verses 5 and 6 of our passage, create culture. It says, build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. This may be the most important part of the message I want to get you, I want you to hear tonight. It is the command to create culture. And creating, as you remember when we went through the Genesis passage, is one of the central aspects of who we are as human beings. And when we forsake it, when we push down our creativity so that we can be consumers, for example, we are denying a central aspect of who we are as Christians, and therefore we are diminished. Now, Christians are famous for bewailing culture for thousands of years. And, and in the Christian history, we've generally come up with one of four ideas of how to deal with culture. The first is to fight culture. No matter what, to say anything that is associated with culture is evil. And so we need to avoid it. Well, that's done the history of the world about mm, no good at all. Another bad answer that we as Christians have embraced is to ignore culture. We create our own Christian ghetto and do nothing but duck and cover. Today we go and watch Christian TV and listen to Christian radio and we talk about how bad things are but don't lift a finger to do anything about it. Another option that Christians have embraced is to embrace culture. And we get so absorbed in rooting for our favorite football team or watching the, you know, pop 10 or whatever it is that we're getting involved in. We just embrace culture uncritically. I don't think any of those are the right answer. Instead, I think the clear implication of the passage before us is that we create 
culture. Because as we are creating culture, as we are adding to the discussion, we are therefore making culture better. God is telling Israel to make life better by creating culture. Now, the face value of this passage that we're looking at is he's commanding Judah to have kids. I mean, that's what he says, right? But along with kids, you have to make a living so you could get a job and you, you're creative in your job and you do things in your job so that the world is a better place. Then you need to have clothes and feed your kids so you do things in the culture so that your children can grow up and be, you know, adults that are doing good things in their culture as well. You need to live in such a way that they can live, which is the basis of anything that we might call culture. Now, there are a couple of you in this room who are too old to make children anymore. I needed a little laugh. Come on, guys, help me out here. So, if that's true, make the world a better place for those of us who are still crazy enough to have kids in our mid-40s who are still bringing into our home and, and contribute to the discussion that the world is having. Maybe you think politics are too convoluted. Breathe grace and reason into your discussion. Are morals in your community too debauched? Demonstrate the value of a life well lived for those who are around you. Is entertainment too sensual in your opinion? Create art that expresses real life in a beautiful way that isn't debauched by banal sexuality. Or celebrate sexuality in a way that shows that it is beautiful and decent when it is combined in a marriage relationship. Show the world that is so desperate right now that healthy Christian monogamous relationships are the most beautiful relationships that they can find. And everything that they might be looking for is found there. Breathe grace by breathing beauty into the relationship and bring people along with you and talk about what it means and the benefits of a life well lived. Now, some of you are thinking, Pastor Greg, okay, come on, get back, get decent in your conversation here. Well, I think that's exactly what this passage is talking about. And so you hire me to preach God's word. That's what I'm doing. Right? So, show the world not what you're against. Show the world what you are for. Because the Bible is for it. Because God is for for it. And when you and I are living in that way, the people who are learning how bad it can be out there from their own mistakes will be 
drawn to people who are saying, this is what a healthy marriage looks like. Be that example. Create that kind of culture and people will be drawn to it. Lastly, God clarifies the point of this particular passage. He strive to make your city better. Verse 7. Seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile. And pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare you will find your welfare. Actively. Positively. Thoughtfully intentionally do something so that Santa Maria, California will be a better place to live. Actively, not passively, not just wishing somebody would do something. Positively, not saying what you're against and how bad these other things are. Thoughtfully, Taking time instead of just knee-jerk reaction against something that you perceive as bad. Intentionally go out of your way to do it. And do something that will make Santa Maria a better place to live. Primarily what that will mean for most of us is that we show how Loving Jesus makes our life better and other people can see that and want to take a part of it as well. Now, there is much that can be done to make Santa Maria better. Perhaps you have an interest in one facet of life here. Maybe you like horses. Well, get involved in that area and get to know the people who are have that same hobby or that same plan of things and get together with them and be a Christian while you're celebrating bridge for example perhaps you can find a friendship circle beyond any you have right now find where people are and play games meet with them play with them and play to win friends who will let you into their homes in heaven. Perhaps you can find a local nonprofit that specializes in making the lives of deaf people better. It's called Independent Living Resources, by the way, and the ladies there would love to have someone come alongside of them and make the lives of deaf people better. Maybe you might get involved in a nonprofit that helps the lives of foster children be better. That nonprofit is called Court Appointed Special Advocates, and they would love to have Christian men and women who can love these children to make their lives better. Maybe you might want to get involved in a Christian nonprofit that's using a 12-step program to make um, those who are involved in drugs and alcohol and their families, their lives better. That organization is called Central Coast Rescue Mission. Strive to make Santa Maria a better place. You and I, we cannot do it if all that our imagination allows us to do is within four walls. It'll never happen. 
We have begun a series that I'm calling For the City. And it, I didn't make the idea up. We, Pastor Benji, has mentioned that idea many times over the last four years. It's, it's something that Christians talk about. But now it is something that we can be involved in. Keep coming back because we're going to talk about how you and I can be the blessing we were blessed to be. And just for your information, we are planning here at Grace to become more involved in the Central Coast Rescue Mission. In fact, this Wednesday night, we're going to have kind of an informational meeting of sorts. I've got a couple of people who have said, hey, you know, I'm kind of interested in that. And I've had other people kind of mention similar things to me in the past. And in my office on Wednesday night uh, at 7 o'clock, we are going to have a people, couple of people come and we're going to start talking about initial ideas. Now we're not going to solve the world's problems. We're not going to turn the world upside down immediately. But we're going to take a shot at it. And we're going to get out and we're going to do something and we're going to be the blessing we were blessed to be. Stay tuned and keep coming back. Lord Almighty, we pray that you will enable us to be the blessing that we were blessed to be. And Lord, we pray that we would in humility come to you as the God who can enable us to share the good news of Jesus Christ in such a way that is attractive and relevant to the people around us. And now, Lord, as we come and we turn to your table, I pray that you would enable us to be empowered, to be strengthened, to be the blessing you have blessed us to be. In Jesus' name, amen.